This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, we're talking Missouri v. Biden, a key ruling against social media censorship. The judge in Missouri v. Biden likens the federal government's suppression of dissent to the Ministry of Truth in 1984. That comes from the Wall Street Journal. This from the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. The link between government and private censorship at its behest isn't well developed under law, so this could be a major test case. The plaintiffs are doing a public service by teeing up whether government can use the cover of private business to censor views it dislikes. Joining me on the radio program today is Todd Scott, Senior Counsel to the Missouri Attorney General's Office. They were one of the key plaintiffs in this case. So, Todd, this is a really, I mean, over 100-page decision. I mean, a really strong condemnation of the federal government, not just the Biden administration, because this started during the Trump administration. I don't think President Trump had a full grasp of what was taking place, but this has spanned now two administrations. What happens next? Where is this going to go as a result of this decision? Yeah, that's a great question. And before I jump into that, you know, I'm sure I I mentioned it was an obscure federal uh, statute, but apparently it was so obscure I even got it wrong. It's Section 230 of the Communications (laughs) Decency Act, not 220, only the nerdiest, uh, most geeky uh, of your audience, (laughs) myself included in that number, I would have ever noticed, but let me set that straight. Uh, As to what comes next, the, the United States government, the Department of Justice has already notice that they will be appealing the federal district court's order. The next stop in that train is the Fifth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals. I think there is a reasonable chance that this will ultimately be decided by the United States Supreme Court. But this is a case of such magnitude that affects millions and millions of Americans that it, it does seem fitting that it would be that it would be uh, taking the the place that it has in terms of media coverage and in the attention of the court. Um, I, I think you mentioned earlier, Jeff, the way it affects all of us is anyone who has a social media account, you may think that you are communicating. You may be uh, uh, having tweets or Facebook posts that you think are getting out there to your friends. Your opinion is being expressed. Sometimes your account is taken away. More often than not, your account is shadow banned, I think is the term you mm-hmm. mentioned. And there's a variety of these terms, which, and what that means is the algorithm or the, the actors behind the scenes are taking away your microphone. You may think you're talking to your friends and neighbors, but in fact, your voice is really being limited behind the scenes. And that, and that is at the orders of the federal government. So I want to give you a sense of why the Biden administration is so angry over this. So in the very end of the decision, you get the judgment. You have three whole pages of just who can't do this. So imagine a lot of people, Department of Health and Human Services, secretaries, all their agents, the FBI, uh, members of the White House press corps, uh, secretary, Jean-Pierre, counsel to the president, all these people. They go three whole pages, all right? Then you get to page four of the decision here, of the judgment, I'm sorry. Cannot 
be meeting with social media companies for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech posted on social media platforms, specifically flagging content or posts on social media platforms or forwarding such to social media companies, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner social media companies to change their guidelines for removing, deleting, suppressing, or reducing content containing protected free speech. This is because they're actually at a certain point encouraging the social media's own policy development. They weren't just telling which accounts or which posts they wanted to have deleted. They were using pressure to change their own policies. Emailing, calling, sending letters, texting, or engaging in any communication or of any kind with social media companies urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech. Collaborating, coordinating, partnering, switchboarding, or jointly working, and then they list a whole host of other entities. So the federal government now can't go work with these other think tanks, like the Stanford Internet Observatory, or any like project or group for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content posted with social media companies containing protected free speech. I mean, it is broad. Todd Scott, senior counsel to Missouri Attorney General's office, this really takes away a lot of their power to pressure these social media companies against their political opponents. And if there's anything we know about the left is that they like power. This took a lot of it away. Well, I think that's right. And the reason the judge's order, which I think is actually it, it is broad, but it also is very tailored. When you look at the that's thing right. he that's said, right. you know, that they were stiff. It's a national security issue and so forth. There are lots of carve-outs. But the reason the order had to be so broad is that the censorship enterprise is so vast. As I mentioned, we have over 60 defendants in the federal government, various agencies and, and employees of those agencies that are knee-deep in a conspiracy to take away your free speech rights and mine. And so, you know, when you read all the things they can't do, um, it, it's it's – it's reflective of the fact that those are the things they were actually doing. One thing I'd like to jump into a little bit here, you just mentioned it. When you get down to the part of the order you were reading, he, the judge starts going into these, they're not government entities per se, but they have names like the Inter, the Election Integrity Partnership, yeah. Stanford Internet Observatory. And I think one thing we found that was really stunning in our research is Buried within the Department of Homeland Security, which, by the way, let's all remember, the Department of Homeland Security was created post-2001 when our country was attacked by terrorist elements. The, the federal government created the Department of Homeland Security to keep us safe from foreign threats. Buried within the Department of Homeland Security is a small office called CISA, and I may not get the name right, but it's the Cybersecurity and Internet and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. We found that CISA was at the very nexus, the very heart of this entire government operation. CISA basically turned its focus from protecting us from foreign threats, and they turned their guns, their figurative guns, inward at American citizens who simply wanted to express their opinion. The way they did this was through partnerships with quasi-public agencies. 
So you take the EIP, the Election Integrity Project. We're told that this was a group of really smart interns from a major university who came to intern at CISA, and they and the thought was, you know what? The government just needs help, and, and there may be areas where they can't actually do things because of that pesky thing we call the First Amendment. And so this private, quasi-private uh, entity was created. Of course, there's lots of government funding that eventually flows into such things. They, they spawn a flagging operation. And so how this worked is the EIP and others would go out, and they would screen your posts and mine and others, millions of Americans, when they found something that violated the approved government narrative on elections, on lab leaks, on COVID, and the list goes on, then that would be routed up to the federal government at the CISA agency. CISA would then put those, send those reports out to the big tech folks. The big tech companies then would take those posts out. It was a well-oiled, seamless operation that was going on behind the scenes, and that's why the judge's order focuses on some of these entities that are not per se federal agency. It's very, it's very disturbing when you really get under the hood and you see how deeply ingrained this conspiracy is. And as you can imagine, the federal government's not going to easily let this go. This is a tremendous amount of power, not only to monitor, but to shape a particular political agenda. And so the Biden administration, who wants to be reelected, wants to have the power to be able to shut down bad news, you know, quote, Russian disinformation, like the Hunter laptop leak, they're, they're not easily going to let this go. So are you guys gearing up for a multi-year battle? Is this, is this, could you, is there a world in which th- they get this power back, at least for a, a limited amount of time, and then uh, can continue to run these types of operations? Well, I can tell you this. I know that the the Missouri Attorney General's office and our colleagues and allies in the state of Louisiana and and really good people across this country are drawing a line in the sand when it comes to the violation of our First Amendment rights. Mm. We intend to fight this with every tool that we have. And uh, so far, we've been successful. We intend to see this case through to the the very end. And we have high hopes that we'll be successful. The, The violation of the First Amendment here is not... Uh, vague or peripheral. You don't have to use your imagination to see it. As I mentioned earlier, if, if you completed eighth grade civics, you can see how this violates <laughs> the First Amendment. Uh, can I read you a quote from uh, the judge's order? And you, let's go back for just a second. Real, real quick, we got about we got about 30 seconds. Otherwise, we can take it okay. over to the next segment, but go ahead. Yeah, the director of CISA, the agency I mentioned, here's, here's her statement. We live in a world where people talk about alternative facts, post-truth, which I think is really, really dangerous if people get to pick their own facts. That from a federal official. Missouri and Louisiana, we are fighting hard to make sure people not only get to pick what they believe is fact, but to air those opinions freely. Talking with Todd Scott, senior counsel for the Missouri Attorney General's Office with a big win in Missouri v. Biden. We're going to continue this conversation when we come back because this is an absolutely critical decision in the defense of the free of all of our free speech, the free speech free speech rights of all Americans, what has been exposed here is shocking, and I always tend to be a little bit reserved 
when it comes to the power of the federal government and what it can do to American citizens. It is on full display in this case. We'll continue this conversation on the Frontier Freedom Hour.